Big Fluff. I don't know their crimes, but whatever they are, these men should face due process. Then let the gods make their judgment. You don't look like an intergang. We're the Justice Society. Our mission is to protect global stability. We're here to restore peace to Kandak. And we will use force if necessary. Force is always necessary. Teth Adam, we know who you are and what you are capable of. There's no place for you in the world of man. You have two choices. Kneel or die. I was a slave until I died. Then I was reborn a god. I kneel before no one. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. This is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are finally at the end. Finally! Finally! (laughs) The SLP has reached the end of maligned movies of 2022. Yeah, there were only four of them. Only four. And we watched all of them. Every other movie was great. Yep, every other movie was 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, except the Fablemans, but it was unwatchable. So we just, right. we, we couldn't find, we watched it and we couldn't find a silver lining. So we're just thinking, no. no. So, and instead of trying to do it on the podcast and remain, we wanted to keep our undefeated streak intact. Yeah, so we were like, this Spielberg hack, we're not, we're not yeah. watching his nonsense. <sighs> I heard it actually wasn't even directed by him, that it was directed by his non-union Mexican equivalent. <laughs> Senior Spielbergo. Awesome. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. We watched uh, Black Adam is what we watched. We did, which uh, puts us in a category uh, separate from the larger movie going public. Yeah. We're the two. Yep. The movie that... Uh, was DC's great hope. And I think, you know, around the time it came out shortly after I forget the exact timeline, but it was not long after this that uh, they got rid of everyone in charge and made James Gunn in charge of creative, which also leads to I'm getting ahead of myself. But when we talk to the talk about the post credit scene in this film that promises a movie that we will definitely never get. Nope. But let me let me back up. I, I don't know. As a place to start, Andy, I, I don't know. What did you think of Black Adam? The movie? Yeah. Um, the whole time I'm watching. It doesn't movie, matter what you think. Sorry. I had to. Oh, no, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> that's the silver lining. We did it. <laughs> Um, but to answer, actually answer your question. No, I do want the real answer. Uh, so what I thought of the movie. Yeah, I do, I'm not going to do the bit. I already did the bit. It would be okay. To you're do not going to do that. It'd be obnoxious if you did the bit again. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, and that'd be. If we don't run bits into the ground on this show. No, we do not. That's the one thing we don't do. So. So please, what did you think? Okay. What I thought 
about Black Adam. It doesn't matter what you think. Okay, for, for real. Right. No, for real, oh, answer for real the question, now. and I'm not going to play that clip again, I promise you No, that. why would you? Because yeah, I would not, just, <laughs> yeah. It's not like three is a symmetrical number in comedy. It's not like you and like I studied that. improv together, and they literally teach you about the rule of threes. Yeah, no. Um, so go ahead. What, right. what did you think of the movie? So I'm going to give you my honest, heartfelt, well-thought-out opinion, Peace. and what I think. <laughs> <laughs> did I do that right? Yes. Okay. Yes, you did. Um, anyways, while watching this movie, mm-hmm. uh, I came to the, again, I think this further reinforced the realization I've had is that if there is, I don't know if it's a silver lining of doing this podcast or if it's a, a negative repercussion of doing this podcast. If this podcast broke our brains. It did. Yeah. 100%. I, I agree I, with my that. My brain is... My assessment of quality is so out of whack right now. I do actually think that's true because I use Letterboxd and I really enjoy it. But I've noticed that that I think I've became a much softer grader of things that we don't watch on this podcast. Um, but yeah, it's I'm watching this. I'm like, this movie isn't good. But I've also watched Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Yeah, it's the thing that, that you know, year, we're in year three of... <laughs> Silver Linings playback, and it's like, yeah, though most people would probably describe this movie as bad, but it's like, you know, you don't know bad. You haven't seen. I can show you bad. You haven't watched Jujitsu. Yeah, like this movie was made by Warner Brothers and had a professional team of like, because that's the thing. The worst blockbuster movie that you ever see is always still going to have a fantastic costume department. They're going to have great location scouts. They're going to have g- probably good cinematography. The color grading is going to be nice. Like it's going to have a, a well-produced music score. Like there's a level of competency that goes into a movie this size that it, it just can't be as bad as some of the more lower budget, uh, less studio driven <laughs> films that we've watched. Yeah, it's um, like a lot of those and it's not to knock those straight to, to video releases or like the uh, the mockbusters or anything like that. It's they're putting forth the best movie they can with what they have. Yeah, they just don't have the same resources like that's just true. Well, look, what we're here to talk about today for real is wealth inequality. So, yeah, this is uh, talking about the wealth gap in movie making. Yeah, just movie making. It's very just, niche. That's the only place that it's a problem. As far as we know. Uh, yeah. But no, this movie, like. It's it's not good, but I found it enjoyable compared to a lot of other things that I've watched for this podcast. Yeah, I think like cards on the table if i really if you wanted me to sum up my feelings on it i kind of nothing this movie i don't hate it but i don't love it it just was a movie yeah it was a movie that existed in front of my eyes and immediately left my consciousness as soon as the credits ended as soon as i turned off the streaming service yeah i think that's accurate i can nitpick some things if you want I mean, I would want nothing more. Okay, that's sort of what that's that's sort of what we do here. Forty five minutes a week, <laughs> uh, laser focused as always, zeroed in. Yeah, but uh, no, I would like. I feel 
like one of the things that well because it's how it started so i think a good place to start is with how the movie started and i just this is not i i even mean this as a larger thing than just this film but as a note and i particularly am seeing it a lot in superhero stuff uh many a good marvel television show was dragged down in quality by doing this the really long expository flashback background information stuff I could definitely do without forever. Yeah, because you're to me, you're starting from a deficit when you're like thousands of years ago, there was a wizard and the wizard made a crown and that crown needed the elements to be mined from the ground and so people mind them and it's like dude why why am i watching like a history special on a, an imaginary place like egypt well but i mean like the actual <laughs> the, these are uh, these are things that did I not happen yeah no the the as far as we know there there is no city of kandak yeah uh that is not the oldest cradle of civilization in the world um Teth Adam isn't a thing. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, this like. I just again, I think it's to say that I nothing to this movie. I didn't care about the exposition. Well, right. But I'm just like even what that general, said that though, we yeah. that we nothing, nothing to the movie that like if you're just trying to start a superhero movie for a character that I'm going to assume most people don't have a huge frame of reference for like, you know, fans of DC who know people like know like the deeper roster of characters might know Black Adam, but it's not. I think if you ask the average person, even the average moviegoer that likes superhero movies, they don't know who Black Adam is really. Right. Because like when you're talking about DC superheroes, Batman and Superman are S tier and Wonder Woman, I would say. I, she, I mean, okay, I'll give you Wonder Woman. Yeah, I would but say those three are the the well known. I mean, there's others that are well known, but like they're really like C tier or better. And I love Green Lantern. I like I'm I enjoy that whole mythos. I think it's really cool uh, as a comic. Probably like the DC comic I enjoyed the most. Um, not to say it's definitely not the best. The best is Batman. Yes. I will concede that full stop. But uh, I do. Unless Grant Morrison's writing it, am I right? I jeez, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, but like, I do have a huge soft spot for Green Lantern, but it's it's a huge gap. It's like really Batman and Superman at the top, maybe a step down is Wonder Woman, and then it's several steps before you get to Flash, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, for my money, I would put Wonder Woman in the top tier, but w regardless of where you put her. It's a huge drop off after her. I think we can both agree. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, and, and she, I, the only reason I would put her, she's like, I think we live in a sexist world. What can I say? And that, that, you know, um, but she is, is easily the most iconic and well-known female superhero across brands. Yes. Whatever. And, it, and I don't even second place is not close. I yeah, I don't even think there's a consensus for who second place is. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I think if it was the 90s, maybe Storm. That's who I was going to say in the 90s is maybe Storm. And maybe it's Black Widow now. 
but I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, Cersei from Eternals, right? That's next. She's next. Now you're thinking of Game of Thrones. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, all of that, to, I started to say that to say that. So you're, you're already starting from a deficit of if someone walks into this theater, you know, they like The Rock, they like comic book movies, whatever the reason is. But chances are they don't know the lore and deep canon of this character. And they're sitting down and they've paid you their money and you're going to start putting images on the screen to start with the history channel synopsis of the Wikipedia entry for this character and their backstory and to spend. I wish I had a watch on it, but I'm going to say 10 minutes of the movie, whatever. It felt like 30 minutes, but however long it is, you do a flashback, you show us the thing with a narrator and it takes forever. And then you introduce the characters that we're going to be following that are the human characters. And then six hours into your movie, you finally get into a cave where the rock shows up. And that's the first interesting thing that happened. But you're at least for me, I was already pretty checked out at that point because nothing interesting had happened for 15 to 20 minutes. Right. And you want to think about um, like a movie that is a movie series that is not known for its brevity. Uh, Lord of the Rings did a very effective exposition dump in the, in the prologue to the first movie, which is funny because I read those books and they, it actually solved that problem because Tolkien was not interested in getting to the thing, but clearly yeah. Peter Jackson understood. We don't need to put Frodo's house on the market and sell it and wait until summer to go, which is a weird like there's like this is an emergency. We got to get this ring thrown in a volcano. Now let's sell Frodo's house and plan our trip where like the movies just I got to go. Hey, look, these two happen to be in this like, you know, a produce patch. I guess they're coming with us, you know, like. Right. Uh, but yeah, this movie gets interesting when they summon the rock in the cave and any backstory that we got is i would say either unnecessary or the parts that are important were repeated later so every well, bit of right. information we needed we got from somewhere else no if we started this movie raiders of the lost ark style with the cave yes like i think that's it's already a better movie Right, because just because the movie retold or told better and more succinctly all the things you needed to know about Black Adam. Yes, and, and also, not only does it tell and retell everything, but then three quarters of the way through the movie, it upends the information it's now told us several times and goes, well, actually... Which you thought He's a happened. Murderer. Yeah, what you thought happened wasn't we we did a we did a twist. Uh we did a Dark Knight Rises, and you thought that character was this person, but actually the rock was his dad. Everything you thought you knew was false. About rocks and and Tet Adams and it, just when you think you have the answers, they change the questions. Yeah, that was the rock's catchphrase, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I just thought that. And then there's just a lot of exposition throughout this movie. I, I think this movie can be summed up into two parts. There is either 
Zack Snyder-esque slow motion action or there are people standing around talking and giving exposition dumps. And those are the only two modes this movie has. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's so hard to tell an anti-hero story in a movie. Well, and, and you could see that too, that it really struggled because... It's still, even though they're, they start out as antagonist, it still did the, like, let's introduce the team, but it's like the team that's hunting him, but we're just going to cut to them as if it's their movie after this, you know? Right. It's that, like, you can have, and you can have an anti-hero, and it's been done to great effect, especially in uh, early 2000s television, like, that was the archetype, but like this movie wasn't playing with morality as a matter of perspective. Like that's not what it was trying to do. No. And even what it was trying to do, which was the, I'm not a hero bit, I think was done more effectively in In those Charles Barkley ads. Well, in the Charles Barkley ads, but I was going to say Deadpool, but I would agree with both Ah. of those. Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, Yeah, Deadpool kind of, I think, sets a template for, you know, you literally have an X-Man following Deadpool around going like, you could be a hero and him going, I don't want to be a hero. And then like trying to I feel like it's what this movie wanted to do was what that first Deadpool movie successfully did. Yeah. No, I I think you're right about that. And it's. Nobody had really strong motivations. No, which I would argue The Rock probably had the strongest. But again, the way that it presented his motivations, why, why hide who he really was until three quarters of the way through? Why give us the motivate? And I guess this is as good a time as any to talk about. I think another huge flaw in the plan of this movie or sort of the conception of this movie is. Look, I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson, obviously huge fan of his work. I you and I are both wrestling fans. We watched wrestling in the 90s like he's a huge star. He's very charismatic. I love him. I think he's hilarious. I love his movie career. I would question the wisdom of casting him to play a grumpy, stoic man who is mostly wall to wall scowling and, you know, sort of a flat emotionless god yeah it's it doesn't play to the rock strength as an actor no. not say that he necessarily did a bad job i don't think he did a bad job i just it's not what i want to see from him no it definitely isn't yeah and like i'm all for actors trying to branch out and do different things i think dave batista is a wrestler that has done that better than any wrestler ever Look, let's have the conversation because we got time. In this. But yeah. like, I'm I think I'm ready to say that Dave Batista might be quality wise, the greatest wrestler turned actor. I don't think it's a close race yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, the yeah, it's it's Batista. I'm going to still put Piper second because I love him. Well, and he did really fun stuff. I like Piper's career a lot. And I mean, they live alone puts Piper high up on the list. I mean, The Rock is great. John Cena has done some really exciting stuff. Uh, Randy Orton is a human. Like, you know, there's a lot of things. 
I mean, The Miz did a movie that we could very well do on this podcast. Every wrestler has done a movie that we could do on this podcast. Also, yeah. How have we never done the Mick Foley and Insane Clown Posse? What is it? Big Money Hustlers or whatever? That should definitely be a, a movie on this podcast. I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we did a wrestler month many moons ago, but we could. It might be do time. Plenty more. Yeah. 2023 might be a good time to do another wrestler month. Yeah, because that's who needs more positive press is the world of wrestling. Look, that's a whole other podcast where we could talk about yeah, no, the state not, of wrestling we're not doing today. That podcast at yeah. all? We're not. I, I, I'm sorry, I broached the subject. Um, but anyways, no, it's uh, yeah, like The Rock is like you want to see The Rock being convivial. You want to see him being snarky and sarcastic. And there was like a skosh of that, but well, it, just by the nature of the character, he can't wisecrack. He can't be really animated and silly. I mean, it's kind of funny because this movie sort of made the mistake that the WWE made when they first debuted third generation superstar Rocky Maivia, which is let's have him just come out and you'll just like him because he's so earnest. Like, no, I'll eventually like him when he gives everyone else in the nation of domination a Rolex and gives Farouk a giant painting of himself and then hits him over the head with it. Right. Yeah. You know, good stuff like that. Yeah. Quality <laughs> writing. But no, it was when he started showing his personality that he became the superstar that would eventually become this huge global success movie star was because he was funny and charismatic and charming. And again, like to your point, I agree. He's not bad in this, but I also just wasn't invested in the character. No, because it's I mean. Another problem, and this is getting into, I think, uh, the comic book lore is that Black Adam's really a character that only exists for and because of Shazam, which is funny that. It's going out of its way to not reference the Shazam movie that already exists. Like no one comments like, hey, this guy looks a lot like Shazam. Well, and even like Amanda Waller, who's in this movie, never says, like, get me Shazam. Like we should get him to fight him. He did you guys notice that this guy, they also seem to know a lot about Black Adam. So it's like we know that he can turn back into the non superhero version of himself. If we get him to say the word Shazam, maybe he's related to that guy Shazam. Right. It's like it all is nonsense. Which, and which also I I think there's a funny thing that it keeps happening because of the fact that Marvel has had a just fantastic, amazing, unprecedented run of success at the box office. And because they have educated audiences on their characters for like a decade now that watching this movie, it's like, OK, so we're not going to bring in Shazam. We're not going to bring in Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman or any of these characters, you know, the end credit scene aside. But yeah, we're not going to bring in any of these characters, you know, like anyone that you recognize. We're, we're not going to bring in the A-team of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman to fight him during the movie. So instead, we're going to give you the Justice Society, 
And then you have Hawkman, who I recognize Hawkman. And then everyone else, it's like, oh, here's a guy that's just Ant-Man. Here's a woman that's Storm. Here's Pierce Brosnan. Doctor Strange. The being Doctor Strange. Like, so right. every character feels like they're a ripoff of a Marvel character, which is a hilarious thing because, like, Thanos is a ripoff of Darkseid, which came first. But now if DC does Darkseid, it seems like they're ripping off Thanos because Marvel's been so much more successful. I don't know what these characters, if they predate the X-Men or not, but like it feels I'm... like they are ripoffs. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing, like uh, Doom Patrol predates X-Men. But yeah, but there's a ton of similarities. Dr. Fate, I'm pretty sure predates Dr. Strange. I would believe it. I mean, a lot of DC stuff does predate Marvel stuff because DC predates Marvel. Like they had a huge head start. But right. yeah, you you get these guys that it's like we the shorthand has become the Marvel characters. So we don't know who they are. You know, was Adam Smasher? I don't know who Adam Smasher is. And I I'm not I sincerely cannot remember the name of Wind Lady. God, I'm blanking on it now, too. Um, yeah, Wind Lady. That's what she was called. Yeah. So you got Adam Smasher and Wind Lady. And it doesn't help that with Adam Smasher, too. It's like I'm wearing a suit that I got from an old character actor from like decades ago. Like we couldn't get Michael Douglas. So we got Henry Winkler. But it's like it all just felt like Ant-Man. Like you're just right. This guy is the asylum version of Ant-Man. Right there. No, there was definitely a lot of that. And it's and it is mostly unfounded. And. You know. I'm sure that there are plenty of fans that see an African-American with uh, bird of prey wings and they're like, that's just Falcon. They're just copying Falcon. Yeah. That aren't super familiar with Hawkman, who I'm also 99 percent sure predates the Falcon. Yeah. Also isn't black in the comics. Right. And I only really know him because I know that he is in versions of the Justice League and like some of the animals on the TV show. Well, it was Hawk Girl in, in the 90s TV show. Right. But it's like um, I'm, but I'm familiar with that character and he has iconic enough. And Hawk Girl does, too, of like their their gear is memorable enough. Right. And Hawkman was on the Super Friends for sure. And that's yeah. a, a lot of people's touchstone for a lot of these superheroes. Um, but yeah, it's but it, not only did it feel like B team in terms of the DCEU, uh, but it also felt B team in terms of superhero cinema, like the people they brought out. Right. And then it's a weird move to because, and I, I understand why you, you might not want to do this, but I would also argue that like, if you're going to bring in a B team and again, you're going to show us Amanda Waller leader of the suicide squad. The fact that even among the B team, no one is no one dies like everyone still makes it to the end of the movie. Why? Like, why use? Well, that's not true. Well, Dr. You, besides Dr. Fate uh, kind of dies. Dr. Fate dies. But I guess I don't even believe that he died because I not that look, they all died because this movie didn't do well enough to warrant <laughs> sequels. But fair. I feel like Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate has a better chance of being seen in a future DC like live action movie than most of these other characters. That's a reasonable assumption. Yeah. But yeah, so he dies, but I just mean, I guess I'm seeing these other characters, uh, wind lady and Adam guy, 
that the fact that they made it to the end, why? Right. Because, I mean, and that can also also built up uh, Black Adam's anti-hero-ness, you know, like take out some heroes. Yeah. Because they're clearly antagonizing him. Well, that's what I mean is like, I I would think this selling point of using characters that we don't know and have nothing invested in is that you could then kill them off if you wanted to. Right. Because yeah, I don't I, I'm willing to argue that no one walked away from this movie going like, give me more Adam Smasher films. No, but I did like Adam Smasher. I thought he was he his his deal was kind of interesting. I loved it. I mean, it's I love Paul Rudd, so I'm not going to complain about his performance. Like he was great. I loved the bit where his friend recapped the events of the movie like really manically and fast. Like it's a good bit. Cassie, his daughter, adorable. Yeah, she's cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I thought I mean, I thought that Adam Smasher had an interesting story to tell of like trying to prove himself. It was grossly underwritten and underdeveloped, but there was like there was a kernel there and I, not enough to call it a silver lining. But there was like, I'm into this guy. I like him. Also, I'm just going to say it because if no one else is saying it, I'm going to call it out. He's a Nepo baby. Look, you got your suit because of who your uncle is. Hundred percent. You know, if your uncle wasn't the original Adam Smasher, Henry Winkler, uh, right? Henry Winkler, famously the Adam Smasher. Yeah, it, uh, which we all remember that comic book ran until the Adam Smasher jumped over that shark, and then they canceled right. it. Right, because it was just too absurd. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it, I mean, if you want to have a, a which good it's take not on, impressive, you can change your size. Of course, you can right, jump you over can just a shark. Step over a shark. Yeah, like, come on, who are you fooling? Like, you didn't impress Pinky Tuscadero. Yeah, <laughs> famous love interest of the Adam Smasher. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, and if you want to hear a, a really interesting treatise on Nepo babies, go back a few weeks ago to Hobo Radio. Oh, thanks. And, yeah, and listen yeah. to that. You should do that. It's an episode called Nepo Babies. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like it. This it's movies also. It's like super paint by numbers. There's MacGuffins. There's a bad guy who has ambiguous motivations for world domination. There's Black Adam, a man out of time, trying to kill people with lightning. There's a sky beam that unleashes a army of non-human, of uh, you know, like whatever you anonymous cgi wave after wave of monster that yeah that all die when the person who unleashed them dies right yeah you know all the hits yeah playing playing the playing the hits there's a kanye it's west song needle drop which we all agree was a good choice both at the time that this movie was made and now in hindsight yes so glad we got that and you know it was uh Really subtle because they chose power by Kanye West. Yeah. Uh, frame being no one managed to have all that power in a superhero movie. By the way, can I also powers? Can I also bring up because you know, we are unlikely to ever discuss the uh JJ Abrams Star Trek reboot movies on this. I mean, I guess maybe we could do the last one that they made, but I they famously or infamously in my mind, like when they introduce us to James Tiberius Kirk as a as a child, as a rebellious teen, he steals a car and he drives it and he's listening to sabotage 
on the radio, which I always found funny because that movie takes place in the future. So the idea of a future teenager who was rebellious listening to music from like a hundred years before or whatever is just really fun. It's it's the equivalent of a rebellious teen in 2020 just pumping Tchaikovsky. Right. That it's it would be so bizarre and so not cool to actually do that in his reality. Like this kid is just blasting down the highway to the 1812 overture. Right. And I say that to say that, like, that movie has always been the most egregious example of that trope to me. But this movie does it, too. And a lot of movies do it, which is in this one, we are introduced to skateboarding teenager and what music do we use to introduce him? Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, a song that is definitely twice his age. Right. He's just crashing down the street to bullet with butterfly wings that came out when his parents were in middle school. Right. Where it's just I it's such a and so so many movies are guilty of this, like where it kind of even the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, which I love, like they, you know, Everything else in those are really good. And then they'll do they'll play like Blitzkrieg bop when he's like, you know, like swinging around the city. And I don't understand that where it's just like, I guess it's to appease the older generation. So they don't actually have to listen to the music that the teenage character would listen to. But it always kind of bugs me. Right. Because the the 40 year old men in the audience aren't concerned with listening to Young Boy Never Broke Again. <laughs> But like, yeah, come on. That's what that kid is listening to. Like, let's, you know, let's show right. his world. Yeah. Like, he's definitely not listening to like. He's a huge dork if he's pumping, you know, 70s punk rock. Yeah. Or 90s alt rock. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to malign. I mean, again, I think uh, we... let's let's pivot. Okay. Let's, let's move. Let's move on. Um, I love that the I, end of this movie was just a Tenacious D music video. Yeah, that's always fun. I like Tenacious D. Like, again, if you're going to have an underdeveloped antagonist that doesn't really show up until the end of the movie, despite all of the exposition, make it a badass devil that like shoots fire from his hands no the dude looked badass like the the demon resurrected whatever pharaoh yada yada he looked tough as hell no he did i mean you honestly could set that like that's where you needed a taika watiti type to really lean into like how cool he actually looked and to play us some you know just heavy metal the soundtrack instead of the you know the actual uh score, score of the movie like that would have been really cool to do a needle drop there like, of something if it was just like shout at the devil or something like that oh yeah i mean there's, there's so many to choose from but it's like you know he wonder looked, with the devil by van halen that would have worked yeah no he looked metal as fuck so like why not lean into it and play something befitting of the fact that in actual Number of the devil, beast by iron maiden yeah like <laughs> I just named three songs that were better than any piece of that score. Yeah. So, but all that to say we pivoted. So I mean that sincerely to say that, like, I honestly 100% mean it when I say I love the character design. He was great. He looked awesome. No, he looked yeah. super cool. Um, And. And like, there've been enough like demonic devil, whatever 
on-screen things. And it obviously, like, there's nothing new under the sun, but he looked different enough that he felt like his own thing. Yeah, he doesn't, as much as we're saying things that Marvel did first, like, he doesn't look like, well, I can't remember that guy's name, but the, the character. Yeah, like, he doesn't look like him. No, and he doesn't look like uh, Tim Curry from Legend, and he doesn't look like Hellboy. Like, Hellboy. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, but they're all, I mean, they're all cut from a similar cloth, but it, he, no, he looked super cool. And I was like, this is a super badass underdeveloped villain. Yeah, like I, I get why there wasn't more time for him, but I do kind of wish that they had found a way to develop him more. But at least when he showed up, if he's going to be the final boss, he looked like a final boss. Right. And I mean, and I know, again, I know we're in the silver linings, but m- movies work best when there's, a protagonist point of view and a singular antagonist point of view. Well, right. And I think where this movie struggled in the, you can do the sort of the anti-hero or hero uh, comes across another hero and they fight initially. I mean, the first Avengers movie did that very Almost well. Almost every Marvel team-up movie. But every Marvel team-up movie, yeah, they're very good at having the heroes fight each other because they don't have the same information as each other. Yeah, they did it again in Infinity War, like all of them. But then you need them to unite for to fight a common enemy. And I don't really think this movie pulled this off because we didn't develop the common enemy and it just didn't land well enough. But again, we pivoted. So um, I like Talkman. I was going to say, Aldous Hodge, I really like as an actor. Um, yeah. Go see, uh, you should all watch One Night in Miami. I think it's a really fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, and he's really good in it. And he's really good in this. And uh, in Die Hard with a Vengeance, you can see him as a child. So that that's is, true. It's always a yes, funny thing to the, me. He's one of the kids that uh, Zeus kicks out of his store. Yeah. No, he, uh, he's been working forever. And I, I'm always a fan of his. Like, he's, he's a good actor. He's very charismatic. He was good in this part. Like, I, I liked him. Like, I thought he was good. No, and there was, there was some great uh, IMDb trivia tidbits about him just feeling so dejected by The Rock's workout routine relative to his and him just trying to match, like, weight room work ethic with The Rock. Like, don't. Don't. You don't. Don't, don't do that. No, that's no, my pro tip. To anyone out there who might come, you know, encounter Dwayne the Rock Johnson, do not try to match his workout routine. Workout regimen. Now, don't. Yeah, because you, you won't get inspiration from it. Do similar exercises. Yeah, I, on the sure. other hand, I try to mirror Pierce Brosnan's workout routine. Just growing a beard and sitting in chairs and drinking a lot of tea. I assume. I do love tea. That it's, is, it is my uh, my hot beverage of choice. Which also, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll give him a shout out too. I do believe in a world where this movie did well enough to get sequels. I think they would have brought back Doctor Fate. I think he was good mm-hmm. in the role. I think if you want a real spicy take, I think he might have out Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. I I think I like this character better than Doctor Strange on screen. I think I did, too. I didn't love the vocal effects. Oh, the, the metallic thing, which, yeah, you could hear in the opening. No, I, I don't think it needed it. Because I think Pierce Brosnan has such an awesome voice. Yeah, don't don't modulate. I mean, also, if we're just telling people to watch things, watch that one Treehouse of Horrors where he voices the house. Yeah. 
That one's great too. Pierce Brosnan is great. Yeah, I love Pierce Brosnan. Uh, you know, some of his Bond movies we could absolutely do on this podcast. But if by some you mean all of, then yes. Goldeneye, I think, probably would be too well liked. I think, do you mean the video game or the movie? Because the Goldeneye, the Nintendo 64 game, unimpeachable. The movie, I think, is pretty well liked as well. But some of that might be just residual from the video game. Yeah. If we're going to be perfectly honest. But yeah, not a great Bond, but a great Dr. Fate and a super likable guy. Yeah, no, I, I like I like Pierce. We could have done a. There's another Pierce Brosnan movie that we could have done for Malign movies of 2022 that we didn't. The princess and or the prince and his whatever, some weird king. He plays Henry VIII. That's supposed to be real bad. Yeah, we could have done the prince and whatever he plays Henry VIII. That's real bad, which is the full title. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's <laughs> that's probably one of the things that held that movie back was the title. Well, I I heard a lot of more people would have gone to see it, but they had trouble buying the tickets. Yeah, because they're like, which one is it? The Pierce Brosnan with the prince and <laughs> and they'd Google daughter. it, and it wouldn't come up. Yeah, it was it was a whole thing. I blame the marketing department. Yeah, they really dropped the ball. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a real problem. Um, like this movie looks good. It, like the well, fight scenes are cool. We started with that, right? And and I do think that's true. Is I think. All the departments are are actually doing they great work. They work their butt off to do like the special effects. I think are good. I like the costumes. Um, I like the rocks. Uh, like suit. I think looks good. The Black Adam suit. I think. I'll even say this. Um, I have not been in love in general with the DCEU costuming. I agree. I like, don't I, like Superman's outfit. I, like I, I thought. Um, Wonder Woman maybe the exception. But I thought that like the Flash, Superman, Batman, the rest of the Justice League, everything was just too textured. Yes. And too ornate and too intricate. Um, and granted, the comics are too simple and would look ridiculous just translated note to note on the big screen. But um, but yeah, like the light texturing of the Black Adam suit. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, I think one moment I really enjoyed is like right in the beginning when Black Adam first appears. When I say the beginning, I mean 17 hours into the movie. The beginning of anything interesting happening. Uh, when he's like flying up out of the mountain and there's the helicopters yeah. and there's just the jump cut to him by the window. That is a cool ass moment. I, I mean, I, I said it before, but I, I think just to restate it as a, a silver lining, I think if the movie starts with that moment, it's a stronger movie. Mm hmm. 100%. Um, and. Like, if you don't know who The Rock is and you just see a guy that looks like that essentially teleport right next to your vehicle in the sky, like that is pants shittingly terrifying. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think the movie in that first scene does a really good job, I, I guess, just to use a wrestling term, like putting over The Rock of yeah. of just portraying him as an unstoppable force that everyone else in the movie is going to have to reckon with. I think it it does a really good job the way that he's destroying the helicopters, the way I even like the the first part where he's kind of down on his knees. And I to mention the costumes again too, the, the hood that he has, the black hood over his head and everything. But he's kind of crouched down. And I even like the bit of business where all the mercenaries are fighting like they're like, no, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. And it gets to, to the guy at the end and he sort of looks to his right and realizes he's the end of the line. So then he goes up to him 
and tells him to turn around and then is immediately turned into a pile of ash. Like, I thought all of that was well done. Yeah, no, like there's there are a lot of good like the superheroing in this movie is, I think, pretty quality. Yeah. And even I think it's Zack Snyder's pretty well, which is a thing that I hope the James Gunn era can phase out of the fact that all of these movies have to varying degrees had to adopt the Zack Snyder aesthetic to of right. you know hypersaturation and slow motion and the way that Snyder shot all of his action scenes since that's the foundation of the cinematic universe everyone's kind of to to varying degrees again James Gunn being an exception that I don't really think in his The Suicide Squad or Peacemaker, he really does it. And right. Birds of Prey doesn't do it. But for the most part, everyone, you can see it that uh, Patty Jenkins kind of has to do it in Wonder Woman, that everyone like a lot of these movies end up picking up some of that look. I thought this movie of the Snyder clones actually did it really well. Yeah, I would agree with that. But also, um, I'd be fine if it goes away. No, I, I, I would I like the Peacemaker series did a good job of not Snydering. And if it's more like that and even James Gunn Suicide Squad, there was a bit of Snydering, but it wasn't as heavy handed as maybe in some of the other non Snyder directed movies. No, it seems before anyone put him in charge of DC, he was already trying to phase out the Snydering. Yeah, because um, I like. Man, I. Do not enjoy Zack Snyder movies, but he seems like such a good dude. The greatest guy. He like absolutely seems like a, a really wonderful person to work with. I mean, you can go back and listen. We we did the Justice Leaks. Yeah. And um, but no, like this movie, it's. If you need something to ignore and superhero movies are something you enjoy ignoring this, you could do worse than this. I also like, need background noise and there's there's some cool scenes that are worth checking out. Yeah, I also think maybe one of you out there can do this for us. I bet there is the right heavy metal album that Dark Sides of the Moons this movie. I bet if you could find it and just fire it up, there's enough action scenes in this that if you found the right your own metal soundtrack that and put this on in the background with just the right awesome music that it would be really fun to just glance up at the screen and be like, oh, now the rock's like melting a guy. Now he's punching a helicopter. Now he's fighting the devil to my own soundtrack. Weird that it's a Hall and Oates record, but yeah, I mean, look, when he, he fights the devil to man eater at the end. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's like, really good. Whoa, here she comes. Pow. Watch out, boy. <laughs> He'll chew you up. Yeah, you know it's just uh, also like when uh, he first shows up to Private Eyes, obviously too. <laughs> because your kiss, your kiss is on the list. That's that's, that's when, when he, gets, like, he that's when he gets imprisoned in the like the hyperbaric chamber. Oh no, I was gonna say that was when him and Hawkman shared the screen. They just uh, ah. we we fan cam them, <laughs> we ship them together. <laughs> I mean, big time shipping of Aldous Hodge and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I think there was some sexual tension there. That's why he was trying to do his workout routine. That's what Yeah, he was trying to do his workout routine. You know what that means, Aldous Hodge. (laughs) He was trying to smell what he was cooking. Yeah, he was. He was trying to eat some of his pie. (laughs) Exactly. He was was trying to go one on one with the great one. Yeah, he was 
trying to take that some bitch, turn him sideways, and stick him straight up his candy ass. <laughs> Look, that's a rock catchphrase. That's I'm just it doing is. the game. That's what we're doing. Yeah. That's that that was that was on that was on game for what we were well for the bit. Um <laughs> You know what just hit me? Yeah. By the mm. way, I I'm sad that because of the the reshuffling at DC and just it seems very unlikely that we will get a sequel to Black Adam. Like I think they've said as much. Uh which is also we haven't we should never talk about the Henry Cavill scene, but there was the whole drama with this movie that they got Henry Cavill to come back. He dropped out of the new season of The Witcher to come back to DC to play Superman again, uh, culminating with a cameo in this movie. And then when James Gunn took over, they said, we're not actually doing a Henry Cavill Superman movie. So he lost two jobs. Yeah. Which that man has every right to like all of his bad luck ha- comes at the hands of DC. He first, you know, they make him do reshoots while he has his Mission Impossible mustache and they they have to CGI his top lip and now he loses out on being the Witcher, which by all accounts people loved him as the Witcher. And he loved doing it. Um, and he and loved doing Witcher it and he is... lost that job for this. Yeah. Um Witcher's a decent show. I keep meaning to watch it. I just haven't seen it. But sorry, all, all of that to say that it seems very unlikely we're it's see... probably for the best for Henry Cavill that he can just do Enola Holmes sequels from now on. Yes. Uh, his true passion. But uh, yes. no, like we. We're probably not going to see any more of The Rock's Black Adam in any of these movies, uh, which is a shame because it. I don't think it occurred to me until right now that we had the the briefest, the slimmest of possibilities of Peacemaker versus Black Adam. Yeah, uh, once in a lifetime again, again. <laughs> I think you could get a three-year program out of the two of them feuding, probably with some real-life heat between the two of them. For like, I imagine Peacemaker would like do an interview and kind of shoot a little bit on his thoughts on Black Adam, and then yeah, culminate and say in a how main event. Yeah, Black Adam was great back in Condock, but in the <laughs> modern day. But like, if he really cared about Condock, he would be in Condock and not out in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. Before immediately going to Condock and, and just living there for a while. <laughs> it does actually seem like a season of Peacemaker, honestly. It kind of does. So, uh, holler at your boys, James Gunn. <laughs> Did we just, uh, we just pitch? Came, wow. I wasn't we even just tr- pitched. <laughs> on it, that's how effing good we are. We just pitched season three of Peacemaker. It's Peacemaker versus Black Adam colon once in a lifetime <laughs> again again <laughs> oh man holler, and this time it this time it's holler for the, at your boys this time it's for the title <laughs> silver linings playback is a production of hobotrashcan.com if you enjoyed the show please rate or review it on apple podcasts hear more great shows on the peak sloth podcast network like this one. Hi, everyone. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Stephanie Smar. And this is Stephanie Knows Some Shit, where every week we are going to tap into Stephanie's brain and share with you some of the insight that she has about cooking, shopping, Top Chef, all of the things that you want to know. 
Yeah, we're going to tell some stories, enjoy some time together, and really dive into the things that you might be afraid to Google. We might have the answer. I actually, I'm pretty confident we do. 